Hello! And welcome back to The Snub Club, a podcast where we talk about the movie that got the most Oscar noms, but no wins. This week we're at the 11th Academy Awards, but first, I have to tell you who I am. I'm Danny Vincent. Who else is in here with me? Yeah, I'm Sarah Kanoff. And I am your fourth daughter, Kayla Bunn. Well, at the 11th, let's just get down to business. At the 11th Academy Awards, there were a lot of movies nominated because that's how the Academy does it. Um, the leader of nominations was You Can't Take It With You. It got seven nominations. It won Best Picture and Best Director for Frank Capra. Uh, six nominations were given to Alexander's Ragtime Band, which ended up winning Best Scoring. A movie called Boys Town got five nominations, and it won Best Actor for Spencer Tracy and Best Original Story. Then a movie called Jezebel, ooh, Jezebel, got, nominated, got five nominations, and it won Best Actress for Bette Davis and Best Supporting Actress for Faye Bainter. But there was two movies that got five nominations and no win, and this week we're covering Four Daughters. Now... What were the five nominations that the four daughters got, Sarah? Yeah, so Four Daughters was nominated for Best Picture and lost to You Can't Take It With You. Best Director for Michael Curtis, uh, who lost to Frank Capra, also for You Can't Take It With You. And we've seen Michael Curtis before. Um, he also nominated. He also was nominated for uh, Angels with Dirty Faces, Captain Blood, uh, and Yankee, Yankee Doodle Dandy. And, and the he ended up winning. Their faces yet? <laughs> Not yet. Um, and he ended up winning for Casablanca. Uh, best Sound Recording for Nathan Levinson, who lost to Thomas T. Moulton for The Cowboy and the Lady. Uh, we've also seen Nathan Levinson before, um, and he was nominated for 16 Academy Awards for Sound and then seven for Visual Effects. Uh, best Supporting Actor for John Garfield, who lost to Walter Brennan for Kentucky. Uh, and he would go on to be nominated for another movie called Body and Soul. And Best Screenplay, or Best Adapted Screenplay, uh, for Julius J. Epstein and Lenore Coffey, who lost to a bunch of people for Pygmalion. Um, Epstein was nominated for House Calls and Ruben Rubin. And Coffey had previously been nominated for, uh, for Street of Chance at the second Academy Awards, or third Academy Awards, um, but she was uncredited. So that is our lineup. Very cool. Now, Caleb S. Bunn, please tell me with some historical context. I'm so confused watching this movie. I don't know where, where it takes place. What, what what decade? Where are we? Is it year 11? Well, we've got... Is it, I'll be honest. I have no idea when this movie actually takes place. <laughs> but I do have... Three little bits of historical context for you. The first one was requested by Danny because at one point in the movie, uh, the characters imbibe with a cocktail called a Tom and Jerry, which confused Danny quite a bit. Um, but this is actually a traditional Christmas cocktail. She just said, oh, man, we're going to go get some Tom and Jerry. And I was so like, what? Sorry, go on. I just wanted to clarify. <laughs> it's... It was very much a scene where it's like, let's get our Tom and Jerry on kind of vibe. Um, but it's a uh, it's kind of a mix of eggnog, brandy and rum um, served up hot and is usually served around Christmas time. As far as I can tell, it has nothing to do with the cartoon, which did not debut till two years later. But who knows? Maybe Hannah and Barbara were enjoying a Christmas cocktail when they came up with the premise for Tom and Jerry. The second part, I'm excited for this one because I don't actually know the full context. Danny just kind of alluded to it. I mentioned offhandedly I did. Uh, that I wasn't going to bring this up in the episode, but in 1938, Action Comics number one with our boy Supes, Superman, he debuted. So, and I was like, I'm not going to bring this up because it's not relevant, but Danny says it is. So explain this to me, Danny. Yes. So I went on Wikipedia when I was watching the movie because... I was trying to keep those daughters apart because, as I've said on this podcast before, I generally confuse these actors all together because I feel like they're, when there's ever as much of sisters or, honestly, when there's a bunch of white people, white women in the house, I'm like, these all look the same to me. I'm sorry. So I was looking at Wikipedia trying to keep them apart, and I went to Lola Lane's Wikipedia page, and it says recognition under recognition, and it is cited to be a Time Magazine article. That comic book writer Jerry Seigel named Lois Lane after Lola Lane. 
Wow. So it is relevant. Oh, yeah. that's cool. Good on, good on, good Jerry Siegel. Yeah. Not pronounced. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know this person. <laughs> You're good. He's, he's one of the many comic book creators who were later screwed over by their companies. So, but um, yeah. yeah, that's cool. Superman is relevant. And finally, the one that has the most impact on the film, there is kind of a fun little uh, rivalry between one of the characters, Felix, and the father of the four daughters, over which is better, Beethoven or jazz, which I is, you know, we kind of look back on that, and it's kind of old man yelling at cloud, but, um, you know, jazz wasn't as popular, or it was rising in popularity, but wasn't as respected back then. However, 1938 was also the year that the first jazz concert was played at Carnegie Hall. It was by Benny Goodman's band, which was also, I believe, the first um, racially integrated concert at um, Carnegie Hall, at least with the performers, because Benny Goodman famously had an integrated band. So, um, it's, it's just kind of a fun little joke in the movie, but it was something, you know, the tides were starting to turn and people were starting to respect jazz, which is cool. Yeah. And who knows, maybe like a hundred years down the road or something, they'll make a movie called La La Land and everyone will realize that jazz is the only thing that matters. Maybe they'll discover that from B-movie. Anyway, <laughs> um, so shall we, shall we, um, give general thoughts on the film or is there anything else we should say before we dive into the daughters well yeah i did want to bring up my my game oh yeah your game (laughs) joe play the music (laughs) so this movie stars four daughters however three of them in real life were sisters the lane sisters and one of them are also daughters of somebody. One of <laughs> them is not a sister. And I purposely went into it trying Whoa. to figure out who the imposter was. Uh, very, very topical. Um, and I have my suspicions on who it is. So there's four four daughters. There's no. So there's there's Emma, there's Emma, there's Thea, there's Kay, and there's Anne. And I believe that Kay is the imposter. That is that is would be my guess. Mm, No, 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 no. I'm gonna guess Emma because I feel like they wanted a. They wanted a more prestigious actor for Emma, and I just felt like she was better than the rest. So I'm going to go Emma. I already knew the answer, so I'll just reveal it. Is that it is Emma. It's played by Gail Page. Oh, wow. Caleb wins. Sarah I just, loses. Well, because well, Kay has like the smallest part, so I was like, <laughs> I bet they just gave it to her. Kay, Kay looks the least like the other three, which is weird now knowing that Gail Patrick w- doesn't, like, biologically look like either of the others. Yeah, it was very patrician, as I would say. No, <laughs> Gail patrician. <laughs> um, Alright, well, let's give our general thoughts like we, we do. Should we explain what this movie is besides just having four daughters? I guess. I mean, I don't have... I I put this movie on hold at the library, and then as soon as I put it on hold, they're like, oh yeah, it's on the way. And the next day, it's like, oh, sorry, this item's actually missing. I was like, okay. So you, you said you had it available, but it actually wasn't. You guys lost this probably years ago, and no one told me it. So I'm sorry that I don't have a DVD cover to read. I mean, I feel like we can do it. Um, okay, do it. Their four daughters and their dad. Their four daughters and their dad hates uh, modern music. He loves Beethoven way too much for one man to love Beethoven. And slowly but surely, all the daughters have meat cutes. There's uh, Emma, the oldest, is dating this bumbling uh, little little beta boy who delivers flowers. Um Who's Kay with? She's with the boring one, right? No, Kay is with nobody. Kay is solo. Kay is the one who ditches Christmas. Oh yeah, so, Kay's right. cool. She ditches Christmas. <laughs> yeah, she she goes off. She goes off to school. Kay's cool. It's um. Oh, what's the other one's name? Thea. Thea. 
But yeah, I guess she's yeah. with the boring, just kind of like he's guy old. Who's, he's rich. Yeah, I do feel a little bad for him because he's clearly totally into her, and she's like, no. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but but the real the real juice is when Felix gets introduced. He's a he's a charming, flirting with everybody, but he really has eyes for Anne. Unfortunately, Emma also has eyes for him, so there's a triangle there. But then, oh boy, bad boy Mikey comes into the picture. He's smoking. He's talking Mickey. about how the fates hate him. <laughs> He's, uh, and he also has you eyes for Anne. You wouldn't call him Mikey Mouse. I'm sorry. His name his is name, Mickey. His name is Michael, but yes, he goes by Mickey. Mickey, yeah, yeah, not Mikey. Um, Sarah, do you want to pick up the the back half of this? Because I feel like I'm going to inject too much of my thoughts on the well, movie if I explain it. I mean, I also have some thoughts, but they're I probably thought- the opposite. I think I think it's okay. I think it's okay what we said. They, they all meet these people, they I, all fall in love, and then we can talk about the ending when we get to it. You know? Well, I just want to say that it's their they're daughters, they're it's women... There's they're women. They're little. Yeah. Little yeah. women. <laughs> yeah, it is yes. I'm glad we all landed on the this is basically little women. A little a little, it's little women. A little, a little different. This, this is yeah, it's I not think as, Little you know, Women has a better ending than this. I'll just play say that right now. I, think I, I like women little women has a better more. I like little women's middle and beginning too more than this. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Little Women probably has a better beginning, middle, end, and yeah. I still want to see Richard Little Women still. Let's be real. Um, honestly, to be real, I, when I was watching, I was like, man, I should just. I've been because I've been thinking about it a lot recently. I should rewatch the Greta Gerwig Little Women. And I know Sarah's gonna tell me I should watch the Winona Ryder one, which I still haven't seen. But yeah, I like Christian Bale. You should watch all of them. Um, like the four main ones. They're all good in their own way. But well, okay, so... <laughs> so I was to be like, here's some Little Women takes. Well, in terms of why it is very reminiscent of Little Women. So you have Thea, who gets married first, and she kind of goes off on her own, which is very Beth-like. Um, it is, yes. You have, uh, you have this love triangle between... You know, this kind of like playful, cool guy, Felix, or very uh, Lori like, like yeah. Lori, and the youngest, uh, and who's kind of a brat at times, who's like Amy, and then the one who's just, I mean, Emma's not really like Joe at all, but she's kind of like the Joe surrogate. Kay is more like Joe than Joe is in the 33 version because she doesn't get married or have any interest in that. I felt like Emma was the uh, the Amy personally. That's where I was at. Really? Yeah. Oh. Hmm. Was well, this? I mean, it is kind of the dynamic of like they they realize that they like love all of each other like too late, which is kind of. And we got the we got the wacky aunt, and we got the the, the Bob not the Bob Odenkirk. It's more like the uh, it's more like the Chris Cooper character in the new one, but <laughs> <laughs> not, he's not actually like the dad. But yeah. can I explain why I think Little Women works in this one? Not even to say this one doesn't work, but why this isn't Little Women? Sure, go for I mean, it. yeah. Little I think Women a lot of reasons, is but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there are. Little Women is focused on, like, the full lives of its four characters. And, like, you you see them, like, you see Amy get in trouble at school. And you see Beth, like, build up that relationship with um, the piano and all that stuff. This, it's just meet-cutes and love triangles. There is nothing to these characters outside of that. I, I agree somewhat. I do think, uh... I would say one of my highlights of this movie is Claude Rains and Mae Robson, who, whenever they're in the movie, I enjoyed them more than the love triangles because they do generally take over the storyline when they're in it. You know what I mean? Uh, Sarah's smiling, so I think I'm just laughing fun. because my highlight of the movie is so problematic. Okay, all right. Ooh, I'm excited. Okay. <laughs> I hope it's the dog. Uh, it's not the dog. 
Okay. Um, I don't know. My general take on the movie was, uh, I, I well, I actually did really enjoy it to a point. Uh, I really kind of hate the ending. Uh, and up until, like, for probably the first hour of this, I thought this was really good. It has this very snappy dialogue. That's what I like the most about it. The dialogue felt very witty to me. Um, I thought most performers delivered it well. And it was very Little Women-like. And the thing is, is that even a, a mediocre version of Little Women is pretty good, in my opinion. So, like, cause it's that good of a template to follow. So, I don't know. It was, it was good. But the ending kind of got me upset to the point where I... Um, like, for example, Letterboxd was like, oh, this is definitely three and a half in the ending. I was like, no, it's not a three and a half anymore. <laughs> you, you lost that half star, even though I still do like it. Yeah, I mean, for me, like, I do agree. I feel like it needed to be fleshed out, like, a lot. Especially because, like like I said, like, Kay is just there. Like, her big moment is she gets to sing on the radio. Whatever, whatever, Kay. She skips um, Christmas and no one cares. <laughs> That's what I was like, okay. I, crazy to me. As far as, like, okay. the meet-cutes go, I thought it was cute. I mean, I thought that they were, like, cute little moments for the most part. I thought, like, the romances were very shallow, but still, like, I don't know. I'm a woman. I thought it was cute. I enjoyed watching it. Are you a little it. woman? I, mm, it's just me. I'm the only girl, so. So you're I'm one little, daughter. I, yeah, I'm one daughter. <laughs> one daughter. <laughs> When's my movie coming out? <laughs> One daughter. I've seen it. It's called Mr. Griffin. Isn't that Ladybird? Sorry. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's Mr. Griffin. That's my daughter in there. I, I enjoyed the banter. Um, like y'all said, I think uh, both it's written well, but I also think between this and Captain Blood, um, Curtis just directs dialogue scenes really well, and I feel like there's always good flow in them. And I think the four daughters work well together. It makes sense that three of them are related because they all have natural chemistry. And um, while Kay doesn't get a ton to do, uh, I do think when they all are in screen together, that's when the movie is best. I, I like the movie up until one character is introduced. And I feel like this is where me and Sarah are going to butt heads. <laughs> well, let's just say... I the my my notes for the movie just turned into me complaining about this character and then the ending happened and I was like this is objectively a bad decision to make storytelling wise but I'm rooting for it because I hate this character so much. See, I think I'm gonna butt heads with you too on it. So, uh, I I have issues with the ending, but it's definitely not what you just led what you're referring to. <laughs> but. Yeah, we should, uh, we should, uh, run our way for the plot. Yeah. So the, the it's film... kind of a... No, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to go with the film opens. With the okay, cuts. well. Like I always say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> the film opens with credits. Um, but then also we do get a cool shot that's kind of, to me, and this is going to sound very stupid because I guarantee you it's the other way around the influence, very Forrest Gump-like. Where the camera glides through the trees, and then we just land in this house. No, you know, I think, I think you're right. Singing. I think it was inspired by Forrest Gump. <laughs> yeah. Michael Curtis looked into the future. <laughs> He's like, ah, I had to rip off one movie. It was going to be Forrest Gump. <laughs> it won Oscars. Anyway. But we, 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 we see them all singing this really bad song that's classical and they are all, it's terrible. All their music is horrible. But I think that's more of the sound recording. I, I think they're supposed to be good. I just hated the sound of it. <laughs> you sound fun. like the dad. <laughs> what? The dad was always like, you guys sound terrible. <laughs> I love the dad. The dad was great. Because he's like, you, okay, the dad, like, yeah, he totally negs them. He's like, you're all horrible. But then when he leaves, you can see when he's as soon as he's out the door, he has a smile on his face. So it's just a bit to him, and I really like that. It's very nice. Well, they're they they fight back too. It's yeah. like all throwing insults, which I that's a family dynamic I can get behind. Yeah, it was it was nice. I liked it. Um, I I, I have to I have to stand. That's the, <laughs> the, the, okay. The cool family. Like we got, we got the four daughters. We got Aunt Etta, 
who we're told multiple times has a very Aunt Etta personality. And we have um, Claude Rains, who, as I talked mentioned last week, um, he played the Invisible Man in the 1933 movie, which is like a really great movie. Uh, highly recommend if neither of you have seen it and also to the listeners for them to check it out. It's holds up really well visually, too. Um, also, fun fact, his performance as the Invisible Man inspired Mark Hamill's Joker. Uh, I'm sure you guys knew that, but listeners might not. Um, but what I thought was interesting, really, to Claude Rains is that in this movie, they're constantly talking about how old he looks. And, like, he was 49 when he shot this, but his one of his most famous credits is Lawrence of Arabia, which comes out around 30 years after this does. So, and to me, that means he was working pretty old as an actor. But it makes me laugh that he, like, you know, in this point, he's already playing characters that are defined as old and he stuck around for quite a while working still. He even has a line at a birthday party where he's like, I don't think I'll have many birthdays left. And I'm like, calm down. You're not that old. Yeah, he died at age 77. He was like 49 wow. when he shot this. Uh, which makes, well, 77 makes sense because he was in Lawrence of Arabia, which came out in 62. And he died in 67 so but yeah dang he got nominated four times for the oscar for supporting actor never one of those casablanca uh hold on i'm sorry his page is terrible in terms of looking at well when was mr smith goes to washington which makes sense because does he get punched in the face bad guy senator i believe in it yes one is casablanca which i haven't seen still one of them is a movie called Mr. Skeffington, where he plays what I assume is the future load role of Mr. Skeffington, because his name is Job Skeffington in it, but he got nominated for sporting. It was a Bette Davis movie, so that makes sense. And then Notorious, which I still need to see as well. He's He was also married six times. Oh, my guy. Sorry. He's <laughs> only about four daughters. <laughs> four not, six marriages, four daughters. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I, I I like when last year when I watched the old Invisible Man before the new one came out. I remember reading a lot on Claude Rains, and I was like, yeah, this guy seems pretty cool, and like he's a very good actor. I also hate that when you look up Claude Rains on Wikipedia, the Wikipedia article opens with, "If you're looking for the hero character, the character from the show Heroes, you need to no. click this link because there's a character named Oh my God, the Claude Rains on Heroes is played by Christopher Eccleston." Okay. <laughs> My boy. Cool. Cool, I guess. <laughs> His power is it turn people invisible. That's so creative. What a creative name. Anyway, um, back to four daughters. So the daughters, they, they, they tell their dad they hate his music, and dad tells them that they're terrible singers and terrible musicians, and he hates them. And then they, all, they go their separate ways. But they're all, they're all family. Um, and then we meet, uh, we meet the first person, Ben. Well, first, well, first we a, meet Ernest. Oh, yeah, you're right. We do meet Ernest first. I forget. Yeah. Ernest is the florist. Well, he's just the delivery boy for the florist, but oh. it's fine. <laughs> well, he gives some flowers to Emma, and Emma's like, oh, well, thanks, I guess. <laughs> and she just goes inside. And then then we meet Ben, who is very I actually think that I think this is intended to be comedic. Is that like what's who's the one who marries Ben? Thea. Um, Thea. She really hypes him up, I feel like. And then as soon as we see him, it's very obvious that like no one else thinks he lives up to the hype. Yeah, it's a very awkward family dinner. <laughs> Especially because they're like, oh, she cooked all this for you. And then she's like, which one of you forgot to turn on the duck? <laughs> May Robson, famous for Lady for a Day. I think that was a really good joke. Um, it because, is good. Yeah, because like, they're in the middle of saying grace. And it's like, he's just like, thank you for this duck we're about to receive. May Robinson comes in and delivers the bad news. And he goes, thank you for these sandwiches. It's just like really quick and snappy. Yeah. And that's kind of what I mean when I was saying, like, I feel like Claude Rains and Mae Robson are a very good duo in this movie. They're never really the focus, but they're always very entertaining in the scenes they are in. Um, 
But yeah. So then we get Felix. Well, I read on Wikipedia it was originally supposed to be played by Errol Flynn. We turned out the role because the role was too small for him. Fair. That's fine. <laughs> I feel like I would like him more being this guy. Errol Flynn would have been too distracting. Well, Felix walks in. He's annoying and he's like, oh, la 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 la. I'm, my name is Felix and I'm the boss. And he starts swinging on her gate really badly. And she's like, what What are you doing? Why you, get, get out of my house. And she's like, don't you know how to swing on a gate? And then uh, I keep saying she. <laughs> it's <laughs> Anne. Anne is talking to him. <laughs> and Anne starts showing up how to swing on a gate. And then they both start swinging on a gate. I'm just kind of staring at the screen confused on why this was considered a culturally fun thing to do is just to swing on your gate. And then an old lady walks by and she's like, how dare you swing on that gate, young man? And she goes, he goes, how is your husband's back? And she's like, oh, quite fine. Thank you. And then, you know, this movie has a really weird thing where both this guy and Mickey have this thing where they keep telling people, oh, I can read you entirely before I meet you. Um, and I don't really like that. I think they're both kind of iffy. Okay. Can I can I defend my boy? <laughs> oh, you can defend your boy, but then I'm gonna defend my boy. <laughs> okay, okay. I think that the most single. <laughs> I'm fully team I'm fully team Felix here. And here's the deal. Yeah, he's he's reading the old woman, but he's only doing that to her. He's not doing that to Anne. He's not doing that to the sisters. Um, I guess you can kind of say it's implied that he does that to the father. But like when it comes down to the actual relationships, it seems like they're fairly on equal footing. And he's just, you know, he's a charming little charismatic flirt who's like going around and he, you know, he's defending jazz, which is cool. So he can kind of mix things up. He's a little bit of a troublemaker, but a safe one. And, uh, you know, uh, better than better for the characters, I think, than some other uh, more negative influences <laughs> that we'll get to. Uh, OK, well, I feel like you're poisoning the well a bit personally. That's just me. Uh, I agree. I think, I think they're both toxic people. I think they're both very toxic. People. Listen, I think they're both toxic, what? too. But listen. what is a toxic thing that my boy Felix does? <laughs> I feel like Felix is a jerk. He's he's an asshole. Can I say that? Or will Joe bleep me? All of, he's, he's all of the characters are. All of the characters are jerks, though. Uh, I think Ernest and Ben are totally okay people who are unfortunately getting involved Ernest in this is, family. Well, <laughs> and Ernest is very specifically, like, they're like, I mean, he's like kind of a weenie, but like, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um... Like, Ernest is, like, very specifically, like, we're told that he's a great guy because he does something. Like, he steps up later at a, another point in the movie that we'll get to. Um, I don't know. Ben's just kind of there. I don't know. I mean, he's old. Ernest I don't is know. great, too. Ernest, Ernest is the person I relate to the most. But if I had to marry one of these hunks, then it would be Felix all day, every day. Yeah, you can marry him and you'll divorce him in three years after he gets drunk. It's you. Oh my god! Okay, so this is not textually. Well, the thing is, is like I think that (laughs) no, it's not at all. He would he would cheat on you. He wouldn't he wouldn't like beat you. I don't think. Um. So like Anne sums to get back to the movie. um, Like Anne sums it up. Like she talks to her sisters and she's like. They're like, oh, he seems kind of, he seems cool. And then she's like, he's going to come in here and he's going to tell us where to sit and what we should be doing and all this stuff. And she, I mean, he does. He like comes in and he's like, you sit here and you sit here. (laughs) And I would hate that. I mean, I do hate that. (laughs) I mean, it's happened to me before. It's just, it's annoying for men to be like, you do this. So no, Felix is out for me. Felix should have been kicked out of the house and sent to live on the street. Being struck by lightning. <laughs> okay, I think Felix should have been killed. Yeah, I think you're. I think that that is a valid criticism that I had not thought of. Danny, you can you can go and walk off a walk off a pier. 
Wait, what if, what if like, I, I think took that a Felix car is, and just started driving down the road and oh kept shaking a camera? We're not sorry. there yet. <laughs> so feel the, another big thing with Felix. Okay, so Anne likes Felix. Obviously, she says that she doesn't, but she does. Um, and he likes her, and he gives her a bracelet that says "I love you." But right before that, he's he's flirting with Emma. And he's, like, going to kiss Emma and stuff. Like, right before. So, no wonder these poor girls have, like, all these mixed signals. And we all signals. know also... No wonder Emma's in love with him. Says that he's most attracted to him. At, so, like... We don't... <laughs> there might be something going on there. It's possible. It's more supported by the text of my, uh... <laughs> Than my, my theory that he's going to become an abusive husband. Well, and that's the thing. And I might I might be revealing too much about what I'm attracted to in certain people. Um, but <laughs> Felix, I like that. Let's keep like, I, date in this. <laughs> yeah, people who flirt with everyone. Like, I've had friends like that in the past. You know, they're just fun. They don't mean anything by it. Now, the Emma stuff is is a little sus. I will, I will admit he fans the flames there a little bit too much. That's something he needs to work on. But the Anne Edna stuff, I think, is just fun. Yeah. But... Then somebody comes to town. A man. Yes. Named Mikey Mouse. Boo. Mickey. 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 Mickey is. Well, before we say about Mickey, Mickey is the Academy Award nominated role of this movie. It's um, always on the preface when you're watching. I will the talk movie. about that later. Um, Mickey. Is uh, I I don't know how to put it. He is depressed, maybe, and and he depressed, has depression yeah. by making jokes about how he's gonna die someday, which I might say was quite relatable. Um, <laughs> they were all revealing a little too much on this <laughs> podcast. Um, very relatable content there. Um, and he goes, um, he's just like. What does he say? He's like, oh, well, first I was, God decided I shouldn't have any parents. Then God decided that I shouldn't have anywhere to live. And then God decided, worst of all, that I should have some talent that is only good enough for me to help other people and not make anything for myself. And this is so hot. This is like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> like, as soon as everyone, someone hears this, they're what? like, oh, God, Mickey. You're wonderful. So here's the problem. Anne sees Mickey as a project. Uh, guys, never date a project. I hate Mickey so much. He he comes off to me like a Holden Caulfield type character. Where he he's he's upset at life. And I'm not saying he doesn't have any like reason to be, but he makes it everyone else's problem too. But it is everyone else's problem. I'm joking. It's not. I'm joking. <laughs> all I'm gonna say, all I'm gonna say is, I am currently dating an Ernest, but oh no. Are we all gonna say who we are? And I'm somebody I'm kidding because I'm currently single. <laughs> I think that I think that a lot of women or people who are attracted to men see people like Mickey as a project, yes, but also like a forbidden fruit. <laughs> well, I have, I have issues with Mickey eventually, I want to be clear. I don't have issues when we're first introduced to him. I like their banter. I like their banter. I hated him. Like even before he said anything, I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna like this band, this Sebastian Stan looking mother. I'm not gonna finish that word because Joe would have to bleep it out. He but looks like Sebastian Stan to you. I don't know. To me, he looks no. like he looks like. Oh, no, you go. He looks like Luke Evans to me. Well, my takeaway from him was that it felt like to me he reminded me of. The lead two characters from the hit comic strip Garfield the Cat, because it's John Arbuckle and Garfield. His name is John Garfield. Ah, oh, yeah. Mikey Mouse. 
Well, that that no, should be cut. Don't. But um, <laughs> in the stands to listen. Please leave my bits in. Please, please don't. <laughs> okay, I feel like we're way off track here. We're just talking about which which of the men we find right, attractive. So Mary F. Kill of the men. <laughs> which one is a sigma male? Which one is a beta? Well, I thought we all Anyways, agreed Ernest so- was the beta. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I feel like Mikey would at least he would seem like the kind of person who would call himself a Sigma male. Hey, I get big incel world. vibes Someday off of Mikey. Someday God's gonna strike him by lightning. Someday God's gonna strike him by lightning. I okay. In all honesty, though, I in all honesty, though, compared to or I guess bringing it back, compared to someone like Ernest, compared to. Um, Felix, who's like the leading man type, even compared to to Ben, who's obviously the comic relief, I found Mickey to be really refreshing. I found the idea that um, he could be this like romantic lead to be refreshing, and I I didn't really find maybe this maybe this is maybe this says something about me. I didn't really aside from obviously like Anne wanted to fix him. I didn't find anything that he said or did particularly like bad or like abusive or anything like that. He regularly talks about just um, like walking out on her though. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> For the most part, like he had some. He had a very. He has a very abrasive personality. He has a very. You know he's. You know he's. Rude, I mean, but whatever. I, I found. Is, uh, he's me. I'm Felix, and. Okay, well, that wasn't the question. <laughs> I'm the type of guy that was I'm not the, the question. Walk up to someone right before they get married and go like, "Hey, you know what? Uh, I actually like you, but don't worry about me. I'm a loser." And I just walk away, and make them feel bad about. That's that. not what he says. <laughs> uh, maybe I'll get. Maybe I'll die. Maybe mean. I'll die. I guess. Because <laughs> we're being mean to Mickey. Okay, so what that means in the plot? So Felix ends up proposing. Okay, well, first of all, first of all, so Mickey ends up kissing Anne, and I think it's cute. I don't care what anybody else says, and she basically is like, we're going to be really yes, good friends, which kind of sums up <laughs> sums up how that goes. <laughs> and then Felix proposes to Anne, and she says yes, I guess, and, um, and they kiss. And and they... <laughs> Anyways, so then, uh, so Emma's upset and uh, Mikey's upset, and yeah, before before she gets married, they talk, and he says like, uh, "Okay, he says some questionable things, but it's fine. I can fix him." <laughs> he says like, "He says like, you have no right being so beautiful and like all this kind of stuff," and um, and then it so she. So Anne is like, I don't know, because I think Emma has a thing well, wait, for Felix. And this is my like, issue with Mickey. Mickey is the one who tells him that. Yeah, that. with Sorry. a smug smile on his face. Okay, well, he was he wrong? Was he wrong? <laughs> he, he was, <laughs> but it's also something that it's just like, okay, here's the thing. It's like, I like Mickey as a character in theory, but the way... <sighs> And I don't even mind what he does here, honestly. I think it's ridiculous they go off and get married right after it. Spoiler alert. Uh, well, I was, I was getting there. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I, I don't mind him being like, by the way, I like you and I want this closure in my life. What I, uh, what I do mind, though, is him going like, I guess I, I just have the most rotten luck because I fell in love with you and you're getting married. And by God, I wish I would just die. I'm struck by lightning already by this thing now. Well, he did make a he did make a move, and she friends well, on he him. Got an over but it. <laughs> yeah, so so she so they run off and get married, and what ends up happening is Ernest steps up, uh, and he it sounds like it sounds like an Ernest <laughs> movie title. Ernest, Ernest steps up. <laughs> Ernest steps. Up. Why is so, Ernest in this movie? <laughs> Fun fact, I went to I went to church with one of the guys who was in all the Ernest movies. 
So then Ernest, Ernest steps up because they're like, who's going to tell everybody that the wedding's off? And he's like, I'll do it. Um, and then Emma's like, ooh, I find this to be an attractive quality in a man. Um, so then some time passes. Uh, Anne and Mickey are married. Uh, I think that she loves him. I think you could argue that she doesn't, but I think that she does love him. Um, and I think what the movie is trying to say is that sometimes love is not enough. I think, um, because I think it's important to note, at least to me, is that they might... I think she loves him more than he gets satisfaction from her. Because the fact that he's like... He's very, he seems very pro, let's go South America. And I don't know. To me, the whole thing felt very weird there. Because she's very clearly negative towards that idea, even if they could afford it. Like, I don't think she's any interest to go to South America. But he's just talking with the guys, and it's like, yeah, let's go. Dude, that would, would be so cool. And to me, that whole scene was like, oh, he'd rather still be a bachelor, even though he says he loves her. And I think he does, like, in his own way. I just don't think he's mature enough for marriage yet. And I think that was kind of evident before, and when his reaction to everything is like, oh, God, why ain't I dead already? Because <laughs> that he's is not mature enough for Every scene of him ends is him going, like, once he says, I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think it's like, I think that he's just not good at being a husband. Because he's not, he's not, and I think that's, again, I think that's something that I actually really appreciate, like genuinely appreciate about the movie, and why I'm, you know, upset about the ending, is that I, I like that it's like this, this, like, bad boy, I guess, who is in this role where he, you know, is in a, he's married to a lead, and he's, you know, they're together, and they love each other. Um, I think it's cool that he's, like, not, you know, totally put together. Um, whether you find that an attractive quality I think, or not. I, I think that would work if the first half of the movie wasn't just kind of, you know, a, a series of meet cutes with like all characters who seem to get along. And then it suddenly shifts into this actual like drama. Um, I, I think that was part of my problem was he brings with him once he's on set he or uh, on screen, he brings with him a completely <laughs> different energy. And like once he comes on, I'm like, oh, there's gonna be love triangles now. Uh, I don't know. I think I think the idea of being a dark, edgy boyfriend is exactly what a studio executive would add to the story. And uh, I kind of I don't know. Part of me is like back then though. I don't know. Back then, I, I think I can see the the sex appeal in him. You know, well, so can I. <laughs> The Reggie's here. But, so, they live in New York, and it's Christmas. So they go to visit. Um, yes. They go to visit the place. Their parents. Uh, her dad. Uh, and I think, the oh, before I mentioned that, I think they want to go out for dinner, and she has to pawn something in order to get dinner. And then... It's her bracelet. Right? I thought it was like... Uh, yes, yes, I was going to get to yeah, the bracelet. it's the bracelet. It's, it, I think it's revealed awesome. Like, I think the reveal of what she pawned is great. Because earlier on in the movie, Felix gives her this that bracelet that I think Caleb mentioned. Um, where it's... Maybe he didn't mention it, but there... Did you mention it, Sarah? Did Excuse you, me? I'm sorry. I can't remember. <laughs> uh, all I know is we're talking about how hot Mikey is. Um, so... <laughs> But it's you Mickey. said Mikey many times too, so I think it's interchangeable by now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so she pawned she pawns the bracelet, um, so they could just get dinner. Um, and when they're back at Christmas, um, that's when we get the Tom and Jerry line that I was very confused by. Uh, but also, it's Felix. Well, Anne sees Felix for the first time, like. However, how long? You know what I mean. Four since months, since four months. the four months. wedding was for you. broken up. Yeah, yeah. So they see each other, and it's it's cute, I guess. And uh, but Mickey's just kind of there too, and he's like, "Hi." I I don't know. To me, the thing about Mickey to me was, and this is where I'm gonna defend Mickey a bit. Is again, like, granted, I don't go around everywhere saying, "I wonder what day when I'm gonna die." It's just not something I do. But I really related to, like, I don't know. I wrote an entire play about Christmas and being alone. 
And I still think being alone at Christmas is very, like, a potent feeling. And the scene where, like, they're all hugging each other, and he's just kind of standing in the back, not knowing what to do with himself, that got to me. And it made me, like, feel bad for him. Um, especially when, <laughs> I hate to put it this way, but when Ben is finally somewhat accepted by the family, and he isn't, it just feels kind of like, oh, poor guy. Well, I think that that's... Like, I think that's a good way of putting it. Like, I like kind of what I was trying to say before is, like, he's in this position where he can be happy and he can, you know, have this family. Um, but I think whether it's just, like, you know, plot circumstances or depression, he just is not capable of, like, putting himself in that role, which is what's detracting from their relationship yeah, I feel like overall. He just- I feel like he's not willing to move on. That's the, that's what I mean where he's not mature to me. Because he's like, I can't get a job anywhere. And it's like, granted, I, I this movie came out in the Great Depression, didn't it? I don't think it's set then. I think it's set earlier. Yeah, because the thing is, he's like, I can, he's like, what am I supposed to do? I'm I'm just a composer of music. I'm like, what do you mean? I'm sure there are other jobs you can do that's art, not art. You know what I mean? Now that you're, I hate to be like that, especially as someone who's trying to do art. But ultimately, if you're getting married to somebody and presumably you want to start a family, you can't just be an orchestrator of music in New York City. Well, and, you know, I think I think we all have these tendencies um, to hold on to certain like hold on to certain vices because we have internalized them as part of who we are. So, like, I know I've internalized my arrogance, so I don't really try to work on that because I just see it as part of my identity. And I feel like that's the same here. And it's one of the things that just kind of bugs me about him, which might not be fair, but he's internalized his self-destructive behavior, which is why I don't want to see Anne with him. Because I like Anne, and I think he's kind of dragging her down with him. I just feel like, I don't know, to get to... I think... This movie, despite not really focusing on Mickey, does kind of give me that vibe where it's like it recognizes the fact that change is hard and Mickey doesn't even really want to change, which is kind of why, like, I don't, it's not, I, I don't like him, to be clear, but I also don't think Felix is a great option either. But moreover, I don't think, I feel bad for Mickey because I want him to be able to grow up in a way. It's kind of like how I felt when I watched the movie Soul. And, like, as I said, I think I've said before, like, my takeaway from that movie was, like, I'm not mature enough to take that away from this. And that's kind of what I felt like was with Mickey is I'm, like, I wish he could, like, learn this lesson that he, I feel like he could. He's paying attention to the other relationships around him at this Christmas party, but he's not because he just is not there yet in his own development. And he won't ever be there because he tied himself to Anne. And this is something he needed to figure out by himself. I guess, Yeah. I don't know. That's kind yeah. of where I'm at with it. Yeah, no, I think that's yeah. I think that's a good read. I feel like we got way deeper into this than I anticipated. Got deep um, into a movie. Of <laughs> <laughs> all movies, though, it's this. <laughs> so basically, um, after dinner, oh, and Felix notices. Wait, Felix notices that she pawned off the bracelet. We never said that. Yeah, um, and then they they share a little um, little quick talk. Uh, Felix and Anne. Whatever. Um, <laughs> I just have feelings. I just have feelings about that as well, which I will get to at the end. But um, so uh, Mickey offers to drive Felix and he takes Ben's car um, and they have like a weird talk. We like, kind oh, of an awkward um, talk. Wait, um, and, um, what's his face goes with? Ben goes with them to get some cigarettes, I think. Right. Well, no, because. They think Ben is the one who's in the accident because because he right, he but what right, but what happens back, to we him? I assume he was just like, oh, I guess I'm not gonna ride back, and he just walked back. <laughs> that seems like a very Ben thing to do. Um, right. So speaking of accidents, right. So, um, I don't. You know what? I honestly, anytime Felix was on screen, it was it was like it was it was like watching Little Women because it was like Timothy Chalamet. <laughs> Every time that he talked, I was like, I don't care. But <laughs> what about little Christian Bale? But he says, <laughs> well, he's he's you know he's my Mickey. <laughs> but, uh, 
<laughs> so he says something to Mickey that makes him feel bad, um, as usual. And um, <laughs> so he uh, he decide, he goes on a little joyride in the snow. And uh, then the, the girls get a call. It's definitely a suicide um, attempt, to be clear. It's it's yeah, it's obviously he's meant to be trying to commit suicide. Um so the girls get a call that Ben is in the hospital because he was in a bad car accident and they get there and it's not Ben, it's it's uh Mickey. Uh again, where did Ben go? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess he's still walking home. Yeah, I feel like this is like you get a line where she's like, Oh, I guess now I'll appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, she does say something like, "She's like he does so much for me, and I never like acknowledge it." Which is okay, okay. but okay, I'm gonna be honest. Like she's right. Like I do feel bad for Ben in this movie. She, I do. He's just gone to like, "Do you want to get married?" She's like, "Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I know we're engaged, but I don't know." And eventually, like, <laughs> well, because she wanted to be, she wanted to be the sister that got married. Because remember when Anne got engaged, she was like, let's get married first. There was a moment where, well, first off, once once uh, Mickey gets in the car, I'm like, heck yeah, he's going to die. He's going to get out of this story. I'm, I'm so happy. But then they talk about Ben got in an accident. I'm like, oh, no, Mickey killed Ben. <laughs> Mickey like ran into Nathan, Yeah, I had the same thought. I had the same oh thought, but God. I was like, Mickey oh, well, alright. <laughs> I, I did. I had the exact same thought. I thought that he hit Ben. Like ben completely apropos of nothing. Ben was just like walking. Ben up. never comes back. So as far as like, he's still walking home. He's, <laughs> he's chasing after ben's the car. He's like, that's my car. Of Ben walking in like two days later, finally home's like, that was a long walk, guys. What did I miss? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so Mickey, so Anne walks in on Mickey. She's he's got basically a full body cast on. <laughs> what? Why are you laughing? And once his line is so like he's like, I guess it wasn't lightning to get me, or like he says something so stupid. He says you have to create your own lightning. And then he just dies. <laughs> and this is where I got annoyed, because here's the thing to me. It's like, if you want to have your, this guy commit suicide, okay, that works for the story. I think him telling her, oh, I tried to commit suicide, please feel bad for me, and then dying is a totally different thing. Well, yeah, but that's in character. The, yeah. His whole, his whole thing but, is, I, I suck, please feel bad for yeah, me. Yeah, but I don't like... <laughs> I, I, well, to get, we gotta get to the actual thing, because that really gets to why I don't like it. Well, okay, so the thing that I really did not like about the ending, I mean, he could die, whatever, that's fine. You, you don't, you don't, the I mean. Carl is the real hero of this movie. <laughs> I was gonna say, you don't marry a Mickey, you just date one for a little bit. <laughs> you wait for him to get into a car wreck? You wait for the lightning <laughs> You realize you can't fix him. So you back away. Um, but my issue is that um, it becomes like the movie kind of like builds your expectation. And it almost it becomes this expectation now that, you know, Anne is single. Felix is single. What's going to happen now? I just I'm not well, a fan. Not I'm not that. a fan of that. It's the, the way it's portrayed is we cut ahead to basically repeat the opening shot of the movie. Felix walks in and starts swinging on the gate, and Anne's swinging on the gate, and it's just like, oh, la, 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 we're happy together again, and then they go inside, and then the old lady from the beginning of the movie just comes in and starts swinging back on it, smiling huge, and then we, that's the end. It's just this old yeah, lady swinging though, on the gate. <laughs> even though I am Team Felix, um, which I've, I you y'all have pushed me off of a little bit, I'm now Team Ernest, but... I still like Felix. He doesn't... He he should move on. His character deserves the chance to move on. And Anne's character deserves the chance to move on. I just... I found it very strange that they're, like, all, you know, really close. Like, even the dad and the aunt. 
And they just, like, let Felix, like, still live there and, like, still hang out with him on Christmas and stuff. I would... I don't know. I feel like family comes first well, my in that was, instance. I just felt like cutting directly from man committed suicide, well, delayed suicide so he could get some last words in, directly to, oh, well, at least we got each other, swinging on the fences, la 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 la. It's just so, like, a tonal miss, <laughs> whiplash. Well, it's very, it's very melodrama. Well, the, like, I, like, I don't mind hinting that they're going to get back together at the end. What I mind is that they are literally swinging with huge smiles on their faces. I just, <laughs> I, I like to imagine someone like just kind of tuning into this, like it's on TCM or something and they're just kind of tuning into it. It's like, oh, you know, like opening knots for daughters it's like little women then oh it's the picnic scene it's all these like cute couples together oh this is charming oh it's this relationship drama okay i can kind of see oh someone died oh wait they're back to the happiness it's it is all the pieces are there for it to be like a natural narrative or like tonal curve but i don't think that they land them yeah to be clear though i still thought this was a mostly good movie I actually, I did enjoy the most of it. I just thought the ending was a total, you know? So, like, I enjoy the most of it. But, yeah, the it, it takes some turns. I just mentioned a very important piece of information. As you've, yes, the fifth daughter. For some reason, she has puppies at the end. I didn't even notice. <laughs> wait, wait. You didn't notice the puppies? I had to raise my hand. Five mothers doesn't, or four mothers doesn't come but, for two more movies. Yeah, she's laying on the floor and there's all these puppies. Is there an entire subplot about, like, that was cut from the theatrical cut about the dog eating a boyfriend? Could be. Or it just could be they wanted puppies. Maybe, maybe somebody had puppies that they put wanted to, screen. like, Honestly, put in there. They were not, they were kind of... Big puppies, honestly. They didn't look like they were needing to be fed. In 1937, because I assume that's when this was shot, because it came out in summer of 28, uh, 38. Um, and someone in my crew goes, Hey, I have these puppies. Do you want to put them in the movie? I say, Yeah, I do. <laughs> you know, I feel like, Oh, yeah. I want to film these puppies. <laughs> sure. So, like, yeah. <laughs> anyway. Do we have anything else to say about this movie, or should we uh, do our thingy? I mean, I do think we should all we should all decide who we're gonna marry at the end of this. Y'all have won me over. Y'all y'all have pushed me off, Felix. I'm marrying Ernest, even though he reminds me too much of me, and I don't think we'll end up being happy. I mean, do I have to, like for me? Do I have to pick one of the men, or like do I have to yes. pick one of, can I pick one <laughs> you're of one of the okay. daughters? Well, no, it's, it's a fair <laughs> question. I feel like I want to. Can I can I uh, cheat somewhat and say I will marry Adam? Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Claude Rains. Yeah, he seems cool. Is that the yeah, dad? I'm very Claude Rains. He seems like a okay. he seems like a good guy. He's funny. That's a very different Four Daughters movie, but okay. <laughs> I have to pick one of the other four. I guess I I think Ernest is like the clear obvious choice personally. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think it's a competitor. This is the one who's not toxic and also isn't a loser. So, well, that's the thing. I feel like I feel like there is something to say about Ben, where it's like occasionally you'll run into couples and you're like, "Man, that person's so boring. I don't know what the other person sees in them, but they love each other, and that's great." But then, of course, at the end, we find out that she doesn't love Ben. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we? Shall we, shall we choose our things? Sarah, what was this nominated for? Yes. Okay. It was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Sound Recording, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay. I'm going to pull a Caleb's going to get mad at me and go with Adapted Screenplay because I thought the dialogue was so snappy uh, and I really like. I thought it was witty. And I also think it is cool, let me to mention this, this is adapted from a Cosmopolitan article, which, um, you know, nowadays there are movies that are always, like, nominated that are based off, I know Argo and was based off a magazine article, even though it wasn't nominated, Hustlers was based off a magazine article. Uh, um, what's it called? What? Yeah, Beautiful Hustlers, Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. 
That one's a bit more obvious, though, because it's built into the narrative. But yes, yes, that is a good one, too. Um, and I thought this was really well done, um, especially because I assume this is one of the earliest examples of that. So uh, I'll go with adaptive. As un- well, it's not an unbiased thing, but I thank uh, John Garfield for supporting actor because because I can acknowledge that he is like scummy. But I found him to be very charming. I genuinely thought he was very charming. I, like I said, I, he was something different in terms of like the other men in the movie. I think, yeah, I think he was kind of an obvious choice for an acting nom, in my opinion. Uh, by process of elimination, I'm going to go sound recording here. I'm not going to go through all of them and explain why I don't th- want those. Except for John Garfield, I hate him. Uh, I think he did a bad job and he turned me off of the character before he said a word. So. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think the sound recording was fine. They did this nice little trick at the beginning where they kind of boost the instruments as they introduce the daughters, like the instruments that they're playing. It was nice. It was good. You say that, hang on, you say that, but when Kay was singing on the radio, that was, was a little yeah, rough. That was, it was a bad. little rough yeah. for me. Well, <laughs> I think people singing in movies is terrible. Anyway, I'm going to go watch it in the Heights again. Um, uh, well then, uh, Mr. Caleb, Mr., uh, what would you add as a nomination? All right, y'all. I'm a proud man, but I'm not proud enough to to deny the fact that y'all have changed my mind. I was going to give this to my boy who plays Felix, but y'all have, y'all have warded me off that, so I have to look up the actress. But the one who played Anne? Oh, wait, I should have done a joke where I was like, oh, I'm going to nominate Catherine Hepburn for Little Women. Um, too late for that. Priscilla Lane. Um, I thought Priscilla Lane was really uh, good. She holds her own against everyone in the cast and I think probably has the most to do out of uh, any of the four daughters. But um, even if that wasn't the case, I think she's just she stands out as the best actress. Yeah, I would go probably with I think I'm going to go Gail Page for supporting actress. Um I mean, I thought that she had, you know, moments where she was kind of the, like, I think, you know, Anne became the lead, but I think that um, Emma was, like, a good, she had some good bits. She had some good, you know, bits of dialogue, and she performed them all pretty she well. Oh, so. she, she fooled you. She was the imposter, and you didn't She's get the it, imposter, so yeah. Obviously, <laughs> we're not going to watch any of the sequels, but do you think it would it would have been a smart move for them to focus one, like each of the sequels on a different daughter. So like Emma leads like four mothers and then like, I guess Kay leads four wives since we don't know who she's marrying. That's the big question of the sequel. Well, one of them. So I don't know if you're looking at the sequel that I saw, but one of them is literally, it's the exact same cast, but it's a completely different movie. Like it's just, they all play different roles. Um, I think it's what, like the Miraculous Sisters or whatever. Daughter's Courageous. Sorry, <laughs> completely. That's different. a great name. Um, trilogy of these. This <laughs> is trilogy of these. Yeah, I think that would probably be well. I again, I feel like like Kay and Theo were kind of like I don't know. I feel like Priscilla of the Lane Sisters was like the star maker. The uh, you know. The uh, the Mark Wahlberg of the group, um, so I feel like maybe they would have like you know centered the other sequels around the other daughters, but probably only probably only Emma. My nomination would probably be. Uh, see, I was thinking Priscilla Page maybe. And I was like, I don't know, all these daughters. Too many daughters! I don't look the same to me. <laughs> so I'm going with Claude Rains. I thought he was really good. He had he brought a nice warmth to the movie. And when all the other men were annoying me, and even the daughters were annoying me, he could always be counted on to be like, yeah, you're okay. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he was a solid, dependable thing. Plus, I like the idea of him being nominated five times for supporting Hector and ever winning. You know? But, hmm, he's he's cool. I like Claude Rains. And I like him in this movie. So, you guys want to know what we're doing next week? Yeah. You said you you were going to choose it for us, which sounds very ominous. Yes, because, drumroll please, we will be 
going back to the first Academy Awards <sighs> next time. Because uh, the crowd is being added to Criterion Channel uh, just for the month. So wow. we will be watching it there because it is impossible to find otherwise. So we will be going back to the first Academy Award. I've been wanting to get out of the 30s. I didn't know this was the direction I was going to take, but... <laughs> well, we do have another... When we're done with the crowd, we will come back to the 11th one because there's another one that qualifies. I just want to make sure we watch the crowd before it leaves Criterion Channel. So that's why we will be doing that next time. We will jump back and then we will come back to this Academy Awards the week, two weeks after that. So the crowd. So it's King Vidor. It was at the first Academy Awards. Got a couple nominations, I assume. I don't know. I don't have it open in front of me. But we'll find out next time. Um, the first Academy Awards. Alrighty. So, oh, I guess I gotta sign me off. I'm Danny Vincent. Uh, I have another podcast called Wise with Ty and Dan. By the time this episode's out, it'll be Labor Day, which means Shang-Chi will have come out, which means that we I will have to record a Shang-Chi episode <laughs> by the time our next episode comes out for the Snub Club. Uh, I don't think it'll be out yet. Quite yet. But... Yeah, um, we're a Marvel podcast, so make sure you check us out for that. Uh, you can find my letterbox at Blankness. There'll be a Shang-Chi review up there before they'll be on Is so... You know, it's the thing we always talk about with the Oscars is Marvel movies. No. Anyway, Sarah, where can we find... Oh, wait, excuse me, Caleb, where can we find you? You can find me at Caleb from the Real World on Instagram and YouTube. I have quite a bit of YouTube videos going up at the moment, and I would appreciate y'all going over and, uh, you know watching them uh i have a bunch of other podcasts uh hot trash unlimited star wars therapy and all new 52 which is currently in the middle of a crossover with friends of our podcast the committed critics um and you should definitely go check out those episodes as well and thank you to our editor joe love you joe thank you joe uh and you can find me on uh letterboxd just my name sarah Kanoff. got a super cool project coming up in the next month which i'm excited about um uh you can find me on twitter and instagram sgk29 e-s-s-g-e-e-k-a-y 29 um and you can find uh us the snub club on facebook at the snub club uh instagram snub club pod and or no snub club podcast and then twitter is snub club pod and that's pretty much all I got. All right. And join us in two weeks when we go back to the first ever Academy Awards with the crowd. Bye. Bye.